Hi, everybody. This is Katie. And this is Jake. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. Please don't panic that Kimberly is not here. This is A Date with Jake. It's a cheat date. Jake and I are going to be covering the case today. Kimberly is fine. Everything is fine. So don't worry. She is okay. But if you want to flood her inbox everywhere and tell her how much you love and appreciate her, I'm sure she would love and appreciate that. Yeah, she would. Because everybody would. Hi, Jake. Hello. Welcome back. Jake has been with us a couple times before. He is our co-host on our other podcast, A Date with the Bake. Yes. So I'm not a total fill-in. I mean, I am a fill-in, but I'm not a blind fill-in. You know your way around. You know what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. I also, yeah, as a lifelong comic reader, I know the shock when you open the issue and there's a fill-in artist. Oh. (laughs) Let's go. No. What happened? No. I think you're a perfect person to bring on for this specific case, which is, today we're talking Ghost Rider. All my friends like a ghost rider. (laughs) Hold on. I'm trying to think of a Ghost Rider song. There is Ghost Rider, Motorcycle Hero. Good job. There's, there's a song. There's a absolutely. Who's it by? Motorhead. You're like in the right. The Black Crow neighborhood. No, that's too current. Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Oh boy. Who did it? I don't know. I mean, I know it? a cover, but then I don't even know the name of that band. Joan necessarily. Jett. Joan Jett. Did I nail it? I nailed you it. You did not. Come on. <sighs> It's on the Crow soundtrack. It is who I thought it was by. And it is a cover of the song I know is by Rollins Band from the Crow soundtrack. I was singing that song all around the house. Oliver had never heard that song and said, Ghost Rider, the terrible movie with Nicolas Cage. And I was like, that's why Jake's coming on, because he's going to know that. And I don't know that. Yeah. I mean, it's a comic book. So keeping it, bringing it back, fill in artists. I haven't seen... Ghost Rider or Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, I believe, is a sequel. There's, There's two? two of those. Yes, oh. there are. Wow. Okay. I feel like Nicholas Cage is now gone back around the bend from people being like, what's wrong with him to just people liking. I think it's a generational shift. True. People like how zany he is, which is what I liked about him originally anyway. I like a zany. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I'm into that. This is not either of those things. This is Ghost Rider Dateline, season yes. 32, episode 10, premiered November 2nd, 2023, hosted by Dennis Murphy. Dennis yes. the Gumshoe Murphy. Yes. Went all the way up to Illinois for this case, and he was wonderful. So I wasn't sure where Quincy was. This is also why Jake was chosen for this episode. I wondered if this was like, we keep doing like Midwest adjacent locations i when found I something in illinois and i said oh jake great let's go so, <laughs> oh, yeah they okay. mentioned weather one time great let's bring jake on yeah right <laughs> dennis opens with a winter's night a cyclist pedals down deserted streets the clickety clack of gears grinding the whir of a tire on pavement the only sound to pierce the silence in this small town security cameras lonely sentinels in the dark of night capture fleeting images of this ghostly rider. Who was it? And where were they going on that February night? And to what end? It's pretty good, Dennis. Yeah. It's good. He used the word sentinel. He did. Which I've only ever heard used in Stars from Les Mis, sung by Javert. 
Oh, okay. No, well, yeah. I mean, the alternate word for soldier that no one uses except for, I think, Sentinel Security. Isn't there a security firm? It's definitely an SAT word. We're going to be getting to an ACT word later. Oh. But that, for now, that was it. It was beautiful opening. And we get some beautiful opening shots of Mm -hmm. a bridge above the Mississippi River. And we are told it is Mark Twain country. So our old, old school listeners will know that Mark Twain used to be brought up quite a bit in Dateline episodes back in the day. It was either that Mark Twain had traveled to this place, he had lived there, it was something like out of a Mark Twain novel. It was brought Mm -hmm. up so much that I'm pretty sure it's on our bingo cards. Yeah. And the minute you put it on a bingo card, it's never going to be brought up again. Oh, I see. Is that how that works? I was pretty excited. We're told this is Mark Twain country. So this, it's... Boom. It's back, baby. Mark it down. So in the Dateline lexicon, Mm -hmm. Mark Twain is a... A thing. Mark Twain and the Alamo are two things. If it's anywhere near Texas, they're talking about the Alamo. Oh, boy. Okay. It's going to happen. So this really actually does look like some sort of beautiful storybook, Mark Twain. Right. Dennis says Quincy, Illinois is like an apple pie slice of Midwest Americana. Yeah, that's fair. The houses are really nice there. So pretty. So Dennis first is talking with Taylor and Taylor. Yep, he says they're both named Taylor. Taylor and Taylor Hyman, who live in another beautiful old house. Yes. Taylor and Taylor are important because they are the neighbor to Becky Bleefnick. They live right across the driveway from Becky Bleefnick. And Becky Bleefnick is a nurse at a local hospital and the mother to three young boys. Dennis says that it's a friendly that it's friendly neighbors living on a quiet, safe street until it wasn't. Yeah. So previously to this story, the Hymans had their car broken into randomly one night on this super safe, beautiful old street. So they do what anybody does and they set up security cameras, which become very important in the case. These are the kind of cameras also that send you an alert if something is going on, which something mm-hmm. goes on on Valentine's Day, February 14th. 2023, by the way, we are in this current year, which is kind of bizarre right? and feels right. odd. Normally, we're a little bit further out, but this case all took place less than a year ago. Right. Anyways, the Hymans are alerted that something is happening in their driveway on the night of Valentine's Day. You can see in the video a person walking between their house and Becky's house next door down the driveway, mm-hmm. but you can't see who it is. So, Taylor is a good neighbor and immediately texts Becky and says, hey, 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 is anything going on? You know, you okay? Did you see anything? Becky gets back to her in the morning because Becky slept through it all and says, no, I didn't hear anything last night. But you know, about a month ago, I thought I heard voices outside in my backyard, which made her a little bit nervous, which would make anybody really nervous, especially if you're a single mom at home with three boys. So, right. So then again, a phone alert goes off on the Hymans on February 22nd. So less than 10 days mm-hmm. after this, there's another alert. You can see in the video, somebody walking down the driveway, sort of disappearing over to Becky's side, returning back down the driveway 53 minutes later. Mm-hmm. Not sure what that was. The next day, though, unfortunately, a bunch of cop cars show up in the morning and indeed Becky has been found dead in her bathroom, her father finds her, which is unbelievably sad, and she is face up right. on her bathroom floor. Now, at this point, I was really, really worried that she was found in the home deceased and her boys were there. Mm, I was also concerned, yeah. We don't find out until later, but I'm going to let everybody know now that's not the case. 
The boys are not in the house. So it's unbelievably sad for her dad to come and find her. But it would have been even worse for the three boys to have been in the home. Yeah. We find out that Becky and her husband, Tim Bleefnik, were separated and the boys were with him that night. Also, immediately, that sounds super suspicious. Uh, Yeah, I think that's why we don't find out about the husband until that time. I think they want to... Because they have to tell us that at that moment. They want to let it go a little longer. Okay. But now we meet Sarah, who is Becky's sister. Sarah is recounting to Dennis about getting the phone call and all the family getting the phone calls. It's really sad. Finding out that her sister had died and saying, look, there's just no logical explanation that a 41-year-old woman would be just found dead in her home. And suicide, by the way, is ruled out right away because of the manner of death, which we'll get to. Right. And Dennis says, as Dennis does, well, did you go through all the reasons in your head? Could it be a botched robbery? And Sarah, surprisingly, at this point says, no, a botched robbery did not even occur to me, which leads me to believe immediately that Sarah has never watched Dateline. Yeah. Very little of Dateline. That's fair. Although I feel like if you were her sister and you're aware of some things going on, you're not going to think botched robbery off the top of your head. Do you know what I'm saying? I would. You would, I would huh? be concerned about that just because it's so strange for her to have been killed. Oh, yeah. This is so bizarre. She didn't have a lot of enemies. She didn't have a high-risk lifestyle, as they say. So sure, I would try to be thinking it was anything, and I would probably be really hoping it wasn't what it turns out to be, because that's just yeah. messed up, right? I think that's what I would immediately, if I was her sister, that's the first thing that I would know who did so it. So maybe that was, okay. That's what I'm sort of getting at. Okay. I would have one suspect. Maybe so. But Dennis says, but a botched robbery was very much on the mind of the phalanx of law enforcement that had descended upon the home. Jake, can you please explain to our listeners what a phalanx is and use it in a sentence? Thank you. I had a crisis of conscience on this one because I was like, okay, first of all, Dennis says phalanx. He does say phalanx. He says phalanx, and I'm like, is it phalanx? Is it phalanx? The phalanx of Roman soldiers descended upon the village that they were conquering. Okay, that's good. So it's just a big group of, it's a gathering? A body of heavily armed infantry in ancient Greece formed in close deep ranks and files. So it's a Greek word. It's not a Latin word. Okay, so is Dennis writing a historical fiction right now? I don't know, yes. This phalanx of sentinels has encircled the structure. You got to help me out Does it, No, no, that's perfect. Okay. Yeah, had gone through the flying buttresses <laughs> into the palace. Right. So wait a minute. Is this phalanx also not sound like a drug, like an allergy? Oh, it de- yeah, definitely. Phalanx. Side effects include <laughs> constipation, dry mouth. Okay. Being surrounded. <laughs> Being surrounded, surrounded by sentinels. <laughs> Thank you. That's very helpful to me and all of our listeners who had never heard yeah. of that word before ever in their life. So now we meet Josh Jones and Laura Keck, who are the two prosecutors who are assigned to this case. They're involved in the case from the jump. They come to the scene of the crime. And he describes to Dennis that he was actually surprised when he even heard the address of the crime, which Dennis now makes a perfect Dennisism and says, nice houses, nice lives, good cars in the driveway. He really, he does threes. Yeah, he does. He likes groups of threes. He's got his really good particular fast shooting gumshoe. He's very good. Yeah, yeah. But the prosecutor walks us through the scene of the crime. It's pretty horrifying. Yeah, it is brutal. 
the bedroom, it becomes very clear that Becky had been trying to shut the bedroom door. The bathroom that she was found in was looks like the primary bathroom that's attached to the bedroom. So yeah. she'd been trying to shut the door and someone had been pushing it open with a shoulder because you see splintered wood all over the mm -hmm. floor. And this is an old house. So the door frames just cracked off in places. And then Becky herself in the bathroom, remember, she's face up on mm -hmm. the floor. She has her hands up near her face, which is horrendous. And she's actual bullet holes in her hand. This is terrible. We don't often have this sort of thing where there's like somebody found in an actual terror position, a position mm -hmm. of being mm -hmm. terrified. This is not good. So Dennis says, well, who had pursued Becky in her own home and shot her dead? And now we meet Adam Yates, who we don't need in this episode that much because we have the two prosecutors, but we do need him because of the sound bites that he gives us. And he gives us our entire mm -hmm. theme of the episode yeah. right now. So Adam Yates is the police chief of Quincy. Mm -hmm. He's got black hair. He's a black uniform. And he wears a uniform. He's right? wearing his uniform. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he yeah. says, it's always a puzzle. It may be a puzzle that you buy for a two-year-old that has four pieces to it. Or mm -hmm. in certain investigations, it could be a 2,000-piece jigsaw puzzle where 25% of the pieces are missing. And you don't have the box to look at the picture to see what it's supposed to be when you're finished. Oliver very astutely said that he gives this speech to every new rookie. Yeah, I wrote down missing pieces metaphor from the uniform. Because I felt like this guy, he's polished this. This is basically his thesis statement about investigating, I think. I think it might have been worked over a decade. Yeah, he's workshopped it for sure. It Definitely. is perfect. He's done it. it right. It's yeah. complete. It should go on a plaque. Hopefully someone in his life has done that for him. Because mm -hmm. it's strong and Dennis loves a strong metaphor. So you've done good, Chief Yates. This was yeah. good stuff. And well Dennis done. might ask to use it in his book. We'll see. His alleged book. I don't know if Dennis is writing a book. Mm. Let me be clear. But Dennis now says, look, perhaps something at the scene would help reveal the picture. So Dennis is going to use the metaphor the whole time. We're going to keep coming mm. back to the mm -hmm. puzzle. We had an episode, Jake, where there was a mousetrap metaphor with Keith. Okay. Mm -hmm. They showed B-roll of a mousetrap, I want to say, 20 times. Mm, it was see. a two-hour episode. Gotcha. But it was repeated. So there was a... There was a trap that was theoretically or sort of figuratively baited with something for the person they were trying to ensnare. I have no memory of why it was used okay, or gotcha. what the case was. Kimberly would know exactly what it was and probably the name of the episode. Okay. I don't have any of that information here it's today. Okay. okay. I probably wouldn't have it either. So Yeah, great. Okay, so let's move on. So Prosecutor Josh Jones makes a comment about the scene being a little bit different because it seemed like there was a concerted effort of violence. Right. We find out that she had been shot 14 times in the bathroom. That is a, a lot. That's really extra. And also there was forced entry too, which didn't get a lot talked about a lot but i thought that was no interesting. they bring it up like a right now window. really quick that there was a second yeah. story window it looked like part of the glass was broken and there were again that splintered right. wood like someone had forced the window open it looked like it was forcefully just hit with a you know something kind of splintered and shattered oh yeah definitely could have been like hit with a bat or something maybe that could be it, it feels like a rage scene for sure yeah there definitely is a rage component to this whole thing 
and that the person wasn't just going to be like, okay, a couple shots and you're gone. They wanted to make right. sure that Becky was dead, which is, again, something that it yeah. feels like it's for witnesses sending a message. 14 feels like. So what's the message of shooting someone 14 times? I'm mad at you. Yeah, but like next level mad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just not necessary, especially given one detail I'll put in the icebox for later. Okay. In the icebox? You put it on ice. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk You're about gonna it. You're going to put it on ice. But we're not going to talk about we it We can't right talk now. about the icebox because of Bake Off. And there's been a tragedy. <laughs> so we can't. Maybe that's where I got the we metaphor can't from. speak on it. So besides this being a very angry scene, they do find mm-hmm. a few pieces of evidence. Thank God. Right. They find eight spent shell casings and lots of mm-hmm. little pieces of plastic. They said it looks like a plastic bag. The, also, the bags are kind of brightly colored. They're not the normal white or They're, tan. Did you catch the brand? Oh, I sure did. We'll get to it. But okay. we have to talk about it because I had some trouble when I was doing my Bing searches. Okay. Okay, gotcha. So the things they find, just to review, they found eight spent shell casings. And yes. then they found these bags. So they are thinking... One more thing. What they find? Boot print. Oh, yes. Next to this broken second story window, they find a footprint right next to it. So on the inside on the carpet. Mm. Again, this window appears to have been forced open. We never hear about this again. I thought that was interesting. I feel like that's a pretty decent... Let's return to that. ...piece of physical evidence to at least close the loop, right? Measure the foot size of the suspect. Maybe you can add that to the pile. So maybe they did and just didn't tell us that they did. Why wouldn't they tell us that? There was only three. It's a shoddy footprint, to be honest. It looks Mm. like it could almost be dirt marks. Oh, it looked like a pretty clear boot print to me. Yeah, yeah, it sure did. You have a good TV. Okay. All right, it definitely so. looked like somebody who stepped in mud when they were kicking in the window. But also, was there a ladder outside the house? Because it's a second story window. How'd they get to the window? You know, people know how to climb their houses sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I, yeah. Probably somebody figured that out years ago. So Dennis eloquently asks, was the house tossed, Josh? Dennis's vernacular really makes me happy when he uses words like tossed. Uh, yes. The house was not in any way disrupted like how a burglar would disrupt a house. Nothing had mm-hmm. valuable had been taken whatsoever and nothing had been rifled through. So this is very clearly a person that's entering the house to straight up execute Becky. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. where the prosecution is going to start their investigation. But... Right. This was a really odd crime simply because Becky is just one of those people, according to her sister Sarah, that really just naturally got along with everyone she met. And we find Mm -hmm. out a little bit more about Becky now that Sarah and Becky are 16 months apart, which made me go, (gasps) I don't like that. My sister and I are very Mm. close to that. And being that close in age is just a different kind of a thing. Sure. And so Becky was really naturally likable. She was a kind, quirky person, and she was funny. And we see this really cute home video of her getting this little pie smacked in the face, and she's laughing, but really laughing. Yeah. That's a perfect video to show on Dateline, by the way, because it shows that Becky did not take herself too seriously. Right. Dennis said she had determination, compassion, and a whip-smart brain. We meet one of Becky's childhood friends, Shannon, who I was immediately skeptical of because a lot of times in Dateline, we meet a childhood friend. And the minute they said first grade, I said, if this is a friend that knew her in first grade and never again, I'm going to be upset because sometimes we get a friend 
Right. And they're yeah. on for two seconds and they're like, she was really fun in the first grade. And you're like, we can't, that doesn't help us. This yeah. is not painting our picture. But Shannon is the opposite of that. Shannon was the right. lifelong friend. They met in first mm-hmm. grade. And then later, literally Shannon goes on to deliver her babies. It was that mm-hmm. kind of a relationship. We get all of these pictures of them growing up and we find out that Becky was valedictorian and she also played tennis in college. So college is where Becky meets Tim Bleefnik, her future husband. Mm-hmm. And Tim is a football player and I'm immediately suspicious. Yeah. Any descriptor they use for Tim makes all of my red flags yeah, fly yeah, high. Yeah. The minute we see a picture of him, I said, oh no, is what I said to Oliver. He looks like someone who thinks he's handsome Uh huh. and has yeah. been told his whole life probably by people how handsome and charming he is. He definitely seems like the product of a lot of like positive reinforcement. Yeah. You're great. You're athletic. You're a catch. Dial it back. Don't want to spoil the boy. Please don't do that. After college, Becky becomes a pharmaceutical sales rep. Would you be good at that? No. I think I'd be terrible at that. Are you a natural salesperson? I mean, I think I'm okay, you know, as long as I, f- I can't sell something I don't care about. I don't believe in. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Speaking mm. of which, let's talk Bombas. Oh, you need your slippies. I have not forgotten. Okay. So I hope you like them. I really hope you do. Do you want some socks too? Do you want to try some Bombas compression socks? I have a bag of compression stockings. Multiple. What socks do you wear if you're not wearing compression socks? Mm. I mean, yeah, I just wear like mid-calf, whatever socks. Do you wear mid-calf? Yeah, below the calf. These feel really good on your feet, and I'm wondering how they'll Mm -hmm. feel on your feet specifically. You might really, really like that. Anyways, Mm -hmm. I cannot wait for Jake to get these slippers because I know he's going to love them and finally understand the magic of Bombas. And look, when you give Bombas this holiday, you're giving more. You're giving more comfort because their socks, underwear, t-shirts, and slippers are made with such absurdly soft materials, you're going to want to buy a few for yourself. You also are giving more heart. I have a new saying, warm feet, warm heart, because for every item you purchase, they donate another to someone who needs it. With Bombas, it's one purchased equals one donated. Socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items in homeless shelters. And when you buy yours from Bombas, you're also donating essential items to those who need them most. Bombas doesn't just do good, though. They also feel really, really good. They are your point-blank go-to basics for getting cozy. From their breathable yet super supportive underwear to their Sherpa-lined slippers. By the way, gripper slippers, now with double cushion. And you also cannot forget to stock up on their famous socks that are ultra plush and made from some incredibly luxe materials. They have merino wool and cashmere socks. Bombas also has ready-to-go gift boxes filled with high-quality basics that your loved ones will enjoy all year long. My wish list right now has the gripper slipper double cushion and long underwear bundle. It's a perfect set for me. I will be warm and toasty this Tennessee winter. And the best part is they come in this beautifully designed box so you don't even have to wrap it. I love giving Bombas as a gift, especially if they haven't discovered the magic yet. My mother-in-law is a Bombassian for life now due to my gift a few years back. And as a bonus, I always know what to get her. So I know that after his slippers, Jake will also be converted. Bombas is truly the perfect holiday gift. But if for some wild reason, Jake doesn't absolutely love 
these slippers. They are covered with a 100% happiness guarantee. That means super easy returns and size exchanges. It's truly no hassle. So go to bombas.com slash date dateline and use code date dateline for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S.com slash date dateline and use code date dateline at checkout. Bombas.com slash date dateline code date dateline. Bombas, 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 Make your holidays happy and cozy with Bombas. Thank you so much, Bombas. So Kimberly, this holiday season, if I find myself in Mexico and I am not going to La Biblioteca or the Discoteca, I am in big trouble because those are pretty much two of the major words I remember from high school Spanish. Is there something out there that can help me be a little more conversational in Espanol? Get a jump start on your New Year's resolutions by learning a new language in three weeks. In just 10 minutes a day, my Spanish is already so much better than it was after four years of Spanish in high school. I was recently going through old papers at my parents' house and I found my Spanish lessons from class in high school. Why did I need to learn the word for pasture? Artifacts. Archaeologist. I'm not joking. Those were words that I learned. That's not helpful. With Babbel, you learned real conversations like how to order food, how to get directions to the bathroom because it's a bathroom emergency, or the things people on 90 Day Fiance need to learn. Do you mind that I'm a bruja, which means which, which is something that Ashley should have asked Manuel before he came to America. I like ignoring the subtitles and seeing how much of Manuel ranting at her that I can understand. And it's so much more than it was before I started Babbel. With Babbel, Shekinah could have learned Turkish and overheard Sarper on the phone with his mom, admitting that he actually does want children, even though he told Shekinah that he doesn't. Ding! That's the Babbel sound you get when you get the correct answer. When you match the correct words, when you pronounce the word right, because there's all these fun different ways to learn on Babbel that really hits your brain, no matter how your brain works, whether it's word puzzles or whether it's repeating audio back, Babbel has something that can help you. It's made by real people, real life situations, and the audio is done by real speakers of the language. So it's not like when my apps map robot voice tries to pronounce the street names in California and says things like Sepulveda. They actually pronounce things right on Babbel. Studies from Yale, Michigan, State University, and others prove that Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Just 15 hours. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash date dateline. Again, that's 55% off babbel.com slash date dateline. And that's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash date dateline. Rules and restrictions may apply. Gracias, Babbel. Gracias. Thank you so much, Babbel. Learn to babble in another language this holiday. So Shannon, Becky's best friend, her childhood mm -hmm. friend growing up, was a labor and delivery nurse. And actually, Shannon was there when Becky started to have her children, which was so, so sweet, that full circle moment. But 
As Becky was having her children, Shannon was also having her own children, and her last child, or fourth child, sadly, was born very ill and subsequently later passed away, which is completely heartbreaking. Yeah, really, really sad. But it was actually that that made Becky change careers. Becky decided she was going to go into nursing based on the care and what she had seen the doctors and nurses do for Shannon and her sick child. Mm -hmm. We get such a good picture of who Becky is in this episode. And I have to say kudos to the Dateline team for doing that. We do always get some sort of picture, but I felt especially in this one, Mm -hmm. we get a lot of time spent on who Becky was as a person. And I like that. It just... It makes the episode feel more well-rounded. Right, right. And I want to know. And it's a short episode, you know, all things considered. So it is. So for them get to a lot spend, for, yeah. And they hit the important stuff. So Becky was actually an unbelievable nurse as well. She yeah. had that innate quality, which is that she cared. Mm-hmm. And Sarah confirms that this was absolutely Becky's calling and what she was meant to do. Mm-hmm. So now we go back, though, to the neighbors, to the Hymans. They have turned their surveillance cameras over to the prosecutors. Mm-hmm. And the prosecutors are super excited about this footage. They're like, look, this is the this is it. If this footage shows, we could be done. We could be closing the book, booking somebody, getting done with this case. But if you, for some reason, have grainy surveillance footage on your bingo card... This would be the time to market. Yeah. Jake, you couldn't see anything either, right? Because you have a good TV. You couldn't yeah, see. Yeah, no, it's pretty cruddy looking, clothing. unfortunately. No, I mean, you can kind of see maybe the, like, this is where I'm really reaching, where I'm like, I think that might be a winter jacket with the sort of, like, the quilted paneling that you have on those sort of puffy coats. You a know, North Face. Have, like, some sort of a design yeah. or something. Yeah, like the top is, you know, felt. Yeah, or something like that. But I don't even know if I could say definitively that I see that for sure. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty much a figure. It's bad. Yeah, and they don't know. At this point, you can't even tell by the gait of walking. No, yeah. It's like it's a probably a biped. Nothing. That's all you got. Uh, But our police chief, Adam Yates, is back. His team is going to go out. They've got this surveillance footage already. They need more. They're going to go scour the neighborhoods and see if anybody else has surveillance so they can get a bigger picture of what happened that night. He does say, though, it's like looking for a needle in a stack of needles. Mm -hmm. It's true. Have you heard that before? No, it was pretty good. Needle in a stack. But that's not a colloquialism you heard living in Chicago? No, not at all. Okay. So they are scouring that area. Police is out in full effect and it pays off because what they find is someone on the night of the murder... A bike rider. This is the new thing, right? What? They always find, like, you can track movements through ring cameras now. Look, you're going to have a hard time getting away with murder. Yeah. And especially if you're dumb. Mm -hmm. Even if you're a little bit dumb, like, you have a dumb moment. Yeah, obviously the murder is the dumb moment. The murder is the dumbest moment. Right. But visual tracking, we've had episodes where they just track someone all the way through town. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's kind of what they do here, though. Yeah, kind of. They get a pretty reliable pattern and a pretty reliable time. They get puzzle pieces, Jake. They get puzzle pieces, but they don't have they don't have the box cover still. But do they have the corners? They have some corners filled in, I think. I think that's exactly what's happening on corners, but they don't have a box to cover to know what the image is. This new video, I would say mm-hmm. this creates the corners at least. The bike rider in the mid there's a bike rider in the middle of the night riding down the street, then turning towards the direction of Becky's house. Mm-hmm. 
the prosecutor reminds us, this is Laura Keck speaking, that this is a person who's riding their bike in the middle of the night yeah. when it's very, very cold in February in Illinois. So yeah. Jake, take us through the front door shuffle. Okay. Well, first of all, I biked pretty much like the whole time I lived in Chicago. And you put your bike away after Thanksgiving and it comes out sort of April. I see. Usually. Maybe March if you're lucky and it's warmer. Okay. But usually reliably like the first week of April, you can ride again. Would not do it in February. It's so cold, right? <laughs> it's so cold. So the bike also doesn't have reflectors. So it is kind of hard right. to see in some of this video and very important also for later. We also see the bike in a different video, which is a few mm -hmm. blocks away. So we see the bike in two different videos, the same bike yeah. riding towards the house and then a little while later we see it riding on back so there is video of this phantom cyclist which is the ghost rider who is not referred to as the ghost rider since the beginning of the episode yeah that's a shame it happens so dennis t reminds us about the puzzle again though mm -hmm. and tells us that these videos stitched together even though they may not be important individually stitched together they become part of that puzzle we establish it, Dennis. It's the corners. You can say it's the corners. So as they look at more surveillance video, they find that the bike rider can also be seen on two other nights, which completely coincide with the nights that the surveillance video camera went off at the Hymans, at the mm -hmm. neighbors. Person walking up the driveway, same night as that bike rider is out there riding. The question I had that they don't clarify on Dateline, was the bike rider there any other nights? Or was it only on these nights? I think it is just the two nights. I think it is too. Yeah. So while the cops are working with the surveillance video, friends have been reaching out to the police and the prosecutors telling them, hey, you should talk to this person. You should talk to this person. Mm -hmm. They're giving them a very clear picture of Becky and who she was, but also right. of Tim, her separated right. husband, and what they were like as a couple. So... Mm -hmm. Tim and Becky got married after college. They owned a couple of businesses. Tim was a salesman. Interesting. They owned a trailer park. Tim also owned part of a CrossFit gym. Yeah. I don't know what owning part of a CrossFit gym is, but I can imagine that a guy like Tim would brag about and he would really like to say that he owned part of a CrossFit gym, yeah. which makes him as likable as Becky was. That makes him... Very unlikable. That man is fit and cross. <laughs> Look out for him. Yes. Fit to be crossed. <laughs> what makes him even more unlikable is when Dennis describes him right now as these things made it easier for him to sell his favorite product himself. Mm-hmm. Nope. He loved to take center stage. And we're seeing a video of him doing some sort of jump over another person. Mm-hmm on a stage with lights. I don't know what they're doing. I'm expecting him to do a mid-air splits, which does not happen. Right. But he does, he does show up in a sexy hat, though. I don't like any part of it, and I don't ever want to see it again. <laughs> and the other thing I don't ever want to see again is this family feud footage, which oh, Kimberly mentions so in an earlier episode of ours. This is incorrect. Yeah. So it's Tim and his family on Family Feud. Tim does not bring his wife. It's just Tim and his brothers, his mom and dad. It's that family on mm -hmm. Family Feud. Steve Harvey comes over. Tim's real proud of this answer. Steve Harvey says, well, what's the biggest mistake you made at your wedding? That's the question on the board. And Tim sort of grimaces, looks at the audience and says, honey, I love you, but saying I do. Wow. 
oh, gee, Steve, the whole thing was a mess. That's why my wife's not here and I'm here with my own family. The optics on that. Just the optics are all bad. Why is the audience like, yay, oh, he's such a Kisa scam? I thought that there was some gaspy, like, I thought it had a more mixed reaction. Do they just love it? Do they just pipe in the laughter? I'm sure they pipe in some laughter because you know who didn't love it? Steve Harvey, who looks (laughs) at him like... You are the dumbest human I've ever looked at just now. He's got this really dumb smile on his face too, Mm -hmm. Tim does. Like he's sort of, he's trying to do a sheepish look and he's also wearing a bow tie, which is not good. And I backed it up and no one else in the family is wearing a bow tie. No, it's just Really feeling himself. So he's the only one that looks like a ventriloquist dummy. Or that he's fronting like he went to Stanford. Not everyone in a bow tie looks like that. This guy does. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. He's got like a fake professor vibe. And then he makes fun of his wife on national television. This is total the, jag. You're, yeah, 100%. So Steve Harvey does not laughing. Steve Harvey is thinking to himself, all right, well, you're going home to divorce papers, which is accurate <laughs> in a way. Pretty much. So yeah. even Becky's friend Shannon says she thinks that that was the beginning of the end. That mm-hmm. stuff was already kind of bad. And I was like, yeah, that would do it. Oh, but the yeah, maybe the public dismissal of their union might have been an impetus for the Rocky Times. Like, sure. I also feel very much like this could have been saved by a really quick, honey, I'm sorry, but I do. I don't think that. I just think other people may have said that. Because in Family uh-huh. Feud, that's what you're guessing. You're guessing what right. the audience surveyed said. Mm-hmm. So that's a quick save. Yeah. You you don't have to answer the question honestly, you jag. What's wrong Such with you? Goofball. Yeah, seriously, what is wrong with you? Why? What? Th- th- how did that work out in your mind? No, it's just it's the when most disrespectful thing you to your wife. Go out, go down. It's really yeah, bad. It's terrible. So Sarah, Becky's sister, also says that Tim at this point was very much absent at home as well. Mm-hmm. And Sarah said they used to joke, but like not really a joke, to Becky that Becky was actually a single married mom, which is. Really sad. Really sad. Sure. I'm sure he was just hitting the weights at the CrossFit gym or whatever, right? I'm sure he was saying he was. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. I just, whatever. But actually, in 2021, it was Tim who filed for divorce. One observation about Tim, not somebody who thinks things through, because he doesn't think through this thought. He doesn't, in theory, think through this larger plan, and he doesn't think through what the divorce may or may not uncover, which I think it might actually be the motive here. Interesting. Because I think that's what the 14 shots is about. That's a good observation because he doesn't also think through consequences. That's what I'm saying. Right. Of the larger thing right. that happens. Right. Like what is the aftermath and what will it do to your children? Exactly. Okay. The aftermath is... The thing he's, you know, alleged is that he gets away with it and lives happily ever after. That's not thinking it through, dude. It's not going to go the way you think it's going to go. That also might be something to do with that charmed life thing that we're talking about. That golden boy that never really being, I don't know. I don't know what his home life was like. This is all just conjecture. It's just. They don't talk about any real specifics of his life, but I feel like he's 
the elements I'm getting was he's pretty out of control. Yeah. So he moved out in 2021 as well, uh, the year that they got the divorce. And that's why yeah. the boys were with him. This is when we find out the boys are with him the night that Becky died. So it's very long into the episode that we find that out. But I'm glad we do. We also find out that there's a new guy in Becky's life at this time, at current time in 2023. Right. And his name is Ted Johnson, who I'm 95% sure that that is not his real name. Mm which is probably just me being suspicious. Yeah. But we only get one picture of him, zero information. And I'm not sure if those are his real teeth. He has very, very straight, shiny white teeth. Ted Johnson actually stayed overnight at Becky's Mm -hmm. house on Valentine's Day on February 14th. So that was the day that the Prowler came around. He was also there on the 21st, which was two days before her body was found. Interesting. He was. That's what they say. He was okay. 21st and the 14th were the two nights that he was there. But we don't have video on the 21st. We have it of the 22nd. Right, right. I oh, I was... see. So it's the night before she was murdered. He mm-hmm. was there. Mm-hmm. I see. I see. So, well, that's probably from testimony. When were you there? When did you stay over? I stayed over this night and this night. There we go. Okay. Yeah. So I, cause that's, so that's probably, we have no video. So Ted could have been technically the last person to see her alive sure. besides the murderer. Mm-hmm. But on the night that she was actually killed, Ted said he stayed home. Now the prosecutors, Josh Jones and Laura Keck come back on and tell us, look, we needed to verify all of this information. Mm-hmm. And we don't even know if Ted Johnson's his real name. They don't say that. But they are going to leave us hanging on what Ted Johnson had to say for himself until after the commercial break. And unfortunately, after the commercial break, we get the most precious moment ever on a dateline, which is this beautiful ceremony done by the Quincy Nurse Honor Guard, which I didn't know was a thing. This order of nurses. Did you know about this? That sounds like a small town thing. It's lovely. Like a group at a hospital that's been around for, you know, the hospital itself's been around for generations. Right. It's beautiful. It's all these women in their nurse whites. And then they have these sort of Florence Nightingale capes is what I call them. They're these blue and red capes Mm -hmm. on. They present Becky with white roses. They ring a bell. They say her name three times. Then all the nurses that are present in the room stand up and officially release her of duty, which I got a tear. Oliver got a tear. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful ceremony. Not a dry eye in the house. Yeah. Thank you for telling us about that. Even Dennis looked a little misty. Mm -hmm. So back to Ted Johnson, if that's his name. So he is cleared by the prosecutors. He gives all the right answers. He had no motive to commit this crime. He's Mm -hmm. very cooperative. And so the prosecutors go back towards the very obvious suspect, Mr. Sorry, honey, but I do. Yeah. Tim. Except for now he has a a Spock beard. So I was like, what's the optics on that, my man? Bad. Why did he do that? You know, girl, Van Dyke, right? Why'd he do that? I don't know. But I was like, well, it looks now you look like an actual villain. You've gone from being like a fresh faced, you know, collegiate football type to an actual like, mm, he looks shady. And it's just a mustache and a goatee. Wow. But, yeah. I was like wondering about the thinking behind that, though. He doesn't think things through. You're totally right. He doesn't think it through. He's like, this looks cool. It's all impulse. He saw V for Vendetta and was like, this is for me. <laughs> Okay, I do not like this. So now we meet Tim's divorce slash defense attorney, Casey Schnock. Casey Schnock is a no-nonsense attorney. She's Looking like a schnock. She's (laughs) 
looking like a schnock <laughs> instead of looking like a snack. Yeah, there you go. There you, I wonder if she has merch. She, Casey, get on it, girl. Uh, She's very animated. She has a lot of answers for everything and for Dennis. Mm-hmm. She's a good interview. Yeah. Casey says that, of course, she knew that Tim was going to be the main suspect and told him under no circumstances do you say anything to anyone which is very good advice from an attorney, and we wish more people would take it on Dateline. Yeah. But Tim's alibi, I have to say, is pretty good. Tim had the kids with him that night. That's where I keep getting stuck on this. Did someone come to the house to watch the kids, or did you just leave the kids? They're young. He just young. left the kids. He left the kids. He, left, he just left them asleep? He left them asleep. They're asleep. He's fine. Took his chances? Absolutely. Yeah, the alibi stunk to me. That alibi felt intentional. The kids wake up during the night. I couldn't possibly have done it. They were. I had the kids that night. Do we think he Benadryl'd the kids? Allegedly, could be. Yeah, throw a little uh, something in there. You know the pizza that he uh, (laughs) he ordered. Yep. (laughs) You know I don't like it. So Dennis asked Casey Schnock the divorce slash defense attorney, were they civil with each other? Because they had been separated, remember, for two years at that point. And she said they could be. And by that point in February 2023, they had gotten a lot of the really ugly stuff over with. And I Mm -hmm. believed Casey until the prosecutors come back on and tell us the exact opposite. Yeah. Which is when they were going through the divorce proceedings, which the divorce was still ongoing at the time of her death, they -hmm. were a week out from a really important court date. This Mm -hmm. is a story we hear all the time in Dateline. And they were fighting over the two biggest things, which were custody of the kids and money. But there's a specific element of custody that I think is the absolute motive for this whole thing. I think so, too. I think so, too. So these are big items, though. The documents show, the divorce documents show that both Tim and Becky had filed protective orders against each other. And there were tons of accusations in them about poor parenting, verbal abuse, destruction of property, not a good picture of the end of this marriage. Mm -hmm. There was some talk about pushing and shoving, but there's no actual evidence of physical abuse in the filings. Right. And Casey, the defense attorney, says, look, this is very typical for a standard divorce in this county. There are no court filings that would suggest he was physically abusive to Becky. I had a real issue with this. I was going to save it to the end because they kind of use it as a bow. Mm -hmm. But I sort of thought it was like, that's a weirdly cynical take. To say, like, around here, fake domestic abuse claims are pretty common in divorces, and so we don't take them all that seriously. Yeah. It hit weird for me. I was like, really? Okay. Well, yeah, usually there is that factor in unhappy unions. Yeah. So you might want to stop blowing those off. So why not also just give the protective orders? Right. I don't understand. What's the point? Just grant the protective orders. You need the actual evidence of physical abuse? No, just grant the protective orders and keep them away from each other. And also just grant them both ways then. She doesn't want to be around him. Exactly. Grant them both ways. That's what I'm saying. I didn't love where they were like, well, she didn't go and file a police report immediately after some incident. Mm -hmm. So it never happened. No. I was like, "Mm, well, I guess maybe you might have been wrong because she was killed violently. Yeah. But one of the protective orders, by the way, that was filed in all of this was that one that Becky had filed against Tim's father, Ray. Right. Who she accused of sexual assault and harassment towards her mother and then also towards some other female members of Tim's extended family, including a minor. 
And it also seemed like this was not the first time these accusations had been leveled against that man. They say that in not those words exactly, but close. They basically, it's a heavy allegation, Yeah, but they say that this had been sort of, it feels like an unspoken thing that the extended family of Tim's had been discussing for a minute. Yeah, or covering. Or covering, like that it was a secret that was known yeah and a sort of an own a known thing in the family that they don't want out is what i how it reads to me me too well we need to say now that ray unequivocally denies these allegations and Mm -hmm. that tim was furious at this filing because becky states in it that she does not want ray his father Mm -hmm. her children's grandfather anywhere near them unsupervised right so only supervised visits with ray i'm guessing that that's what you think yeah is the motive here yeah i do i agree yeah i think that had to be it i think that this is a defense against dad yeah and i think some stuff was going to be said into the public record that might not have been able to just be sealed away i have to agree with that yeah dennis now makes a very real astute comment that physical abuse doesn't always manifest itself in a black eye sure sarah becky's sister says absolutely right Tim had been emotionally abusive to my sister and that he was really good at putting on a show. Mm-hmm. Which they've established is like kind of his skill set. Oh, yeah. But she you know. remembers a very different story that Becky was living at home that mm-hmm. time. And Shannon tells a story remembering that after Becky had had her third son, Shannon had wanted Becky to stay an extra night in the hospital to heal after mm, that birth. And right. Becky said, no, 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 I can't. I need to go home. He won't let me stay. I need to go. That speaks to a lot of control in this relationship. Yeah, that does not. That sounds deeply unhealthy. And disregard for her well-being. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where is even he in this? Exactly. Why isn't he in the hospital? in the hospital around right. In the mix? No. We don't know. So Becky, after their separation, had also become even more concerned about Tim's behavior and that he could possibly turn violent towards her and made that statement to multiple people. It Mm -hmm. also wasn't helped because a fellow nurse colleague of hers was murdered by a former partner. Yeah. And so it became very real to her that she could be seeing signs that this could happen in her own life. Sure. That's terrifying. That's awful. Which now, Josh Jones, the prosecutor, speaks to the fact that the judge did not grant the restraining order specifically because he did not see something physical in nature. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's the standard. That standard blows. Just Right. Them. I think that the standard is too low, right? Like, the, as they discuss in the episode, just because there's not physical abuse doesn't mean there isn't other kinds of abuse, like verbal or mental abuse. I think if someone's coming to seek a restraining order... yeah. It needs to be almost always granted. Yeah, I just don't understand. Like the skepticism with which they would approach them seems out of place. Something is clearly happening here. Grant them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The only one that I could see possibly needing a hearing is the one about sexual abuse allegations. Mm-hmm. So hold a hearing on that because you need to hear more. But this one, grant these restraining orders. I don't. But get not it. that it would have mattered because it's not like they're publicly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know. It's, but it, but at least it establishes. I think that's the thing is it's used as a baseline to establish that there's some trouble in the marriage. A hundred percent legally, it is. right? Yeah. Clearly on her side, she needed yeah. it against him. He didn't right. need it. But if you feel like he does, then just grant that one too. Whatever. Uh-huh. <gasps> sure. 
So detectives now have enough to go on with all of this information about the divorce. Yeah. And they execute a search warrant at Tim Bleefnick's house. Mm -hmm. They find in his house a box of spent shell casings, which remember, there are eight that were found at the scene of the crime. The prosecutor is immediately thinking there's no way. There's no way that these are going to match the shell casings we found. Why would he keep spent shell casings from the same gun that he had used to murder his wife? Yeah. Well, you haven't met Tim yet. Yeah, I guess not. We've seen lots of dumber things on Dateline. We're also seeing tons of these very thick plastic bags, like the ones we were talking about earlier at the scene. Sure. They say West Toast on them. I gave this a bing. I found so little Uh i found a some sort of cafe in san clemente california yeah what is and then i looked up illinois and i got west toasty what's west toast two-sided joke and there's like east something on the other side it's east toast no it's like west coast and no toast is it both they're both toast t-o-a-s-t it says toast on both sides. West toast on one side. And then later in the trial, I was shocked to discover that the other side, that another bag, or you're saying the other side of the bag says East Toast. Yes. Because I thought the name of the grocery store was West Toast. And then I looked at the little tiny bottom and I was like, oh, there we go. What? It's Aldi bag. They're Aldi bags. It's a cute little thing they put on their reusable tote. West Coast, East Toast. I don't know. Why is it toast, though? What's the toast? Do you buy toast at Aldi? You could buy toast at Aldi's. Yes. That's why I thought it was something else, East something. I felt like it was another joke. What do you mean you can buy toast at Aldi's? You can buy bread. You can buy bread. It's like bread. Here's the bread joke. It's pretty, I mean, it's not trying that hard. Don't get me wrong, but it's an Aldi's bag. What do you give this joke? What do I give this joke out of 10? Like a three. Yeah, like a a 2.7. I feel like if you are writing jokes, for reusable grocery bags, your comedy career has gone horribly off the rails. You're too smart for the room. Something's going on. Like, if yeah, I right. can, if you <laughs> and I are like, yeah, toast. Yeah, you're overthinking it or something. It's like a gag that doesn't work. But I can say, I thought it was West something East another thing. No, it's both toast. I know it's West toast because I wrote it down as West toast. I was like, what's West toast? And then East toast. And then I saw the little Aldi's logo in the lower is it shaped like corner. bread are you and i stupid is that bag shaped like bread is the design on the bag shaped like bread oh it might be it might be a bread loaf yeah oh my god hold on <laughs> not a bread loaf but a bread slice yeah i think it might be oh my goodness yes is it a slice even worse than that the west toast and east toast are both like spread on like jam gotcha Here, can you see it it does say aldi on the bags oh my goodness i totally see, missed it okay no i like i say i missed it the first time but the second time i was like ah there we go that's what it is it's an aldi bag i don't like this you don't like it i don't know why i don't like this joke maybe because i couldn't figure it out yeah you might feel like you've been bested but in a way that doesn't feel fair because it's i'm not getting toast i'm getting bread yeah i know that's right toast happens in the home you buy the things for toast, say bread, a toaster if needed, jam, I suppose. To I write. honestly don't know if I have a toaster right now, so this would be insulting I to me. I don't have a toaster. Why are you I assuming toast- that I have a toaster? Want to know what I do? Put it in the microwave? I toast it in the oven. You do it in the oven, yeah. Because it's literally the same thing. You just got to, yeah. 
pay attention to your time. There we go. Okay. We figured it out. Everyone calm down. It'll be fine. <laughs> so they send in the shell casings that they found at Tim's house. They send in the bags because he's got a yes. ton of these bags. Stacks yes. on stacks. He only shops at Aldi. Speaking of bags, I've got Christmas shopping in the bag this year because I am shopping where? Uncommon goods. Kimberly, give us the goods on Uncommon Goods. If you haven't finished your holiday shopping yet, don't panic. There's still time to find incredible original gifts for everyone in your life with the help of Uncommon Goods. Seriously, at our Thanksgiving dinner, we were all talking about our favorite things that we've gotten and given from Uncommon Goods. We were all basically just giving thanks for Uncommon Goods. We all went around the table and just said thanks for Uncommon Goods. I've placed an order for holiday shopping and I got an artsy gift from my mom. I can't specify any more than that because she listens to the podcast. A cute kitchen thing for my brother and his wife who also listens to the podcast, so I can't specify. A peppermint pedicure set for my dad because he has gross dad feet and he doesn't listen to the podcast and a cbd headache roller for myself because the holidays give me a headache i'm going back to uncommon goods to find something for my aunt she loves things that you can't find at any regular store she likes really unique like handmade gifts so this is perfect for her they are in one word special gifts Pro tip, they also have a section for holiday gifts for the dreaded teens who are notoriously difficult to shop for because one minute they are team Justin and the next they're team Selena and they've burned all their Justin stuff and it's impossible to keep up with what they're into. And also, if you make that reference to them, they're going to roll their eyes and make fun of you. So go to Uncommon Goods. That's all I can say. Also, I'm going to be giving some Uncommon Experiences which is the whole experience section that they have. They're more than just virtual classes. They're perfect bonding for a couple of friends, family, like an experience. Things like a mixology class, gardening, lunar astrology charting. Be that person that everyone remembers your gift next year. And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back a dollar to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash date dateline. That's uncommongoods.com slash date dateline for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. Thank you, Uncommon Goods. So while I'm waiting for all of my holiday gifts to be delivered, I love knowing that in that pile of boxes, one of them is going to be from my favorite food delivery service, HelloFresh. It's the gift that keeps on giving. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That is why, after all, it's America's number one meal kit. Look, tis the season for giving and gathering. And with HelloFresh, it can also be the season of saving. Actually save money this month with fresh recipes delivered cheaper than takeout. And with pre-portioned ingredients, you'll never waste money on excess food. If you are like me and you have a lot of good intentions when you go to the grocery store, but then you always end up getting a lot of, quote, meal options for dinner that sort of never pan out and never get eaten? Well, let me give you a few of the meal options that HelloFresh had this year. Mexican street corn pasta, 
delicious. I love Mexican street corn. Also, pub-style shepherd's pie. How warm and toasty is that? With white cheddar and thyme mashed potatoes to boot. Spend your time this month shopping for unique gifts online and spending time with your family sipping hot chocolate rather than being stuck in the checkout line at the grocery store. Sign up for HelloFresh and get everything you need to whip up a fresh, tasty meal delivered right to your door. Choose your recipes, select a delivery date, and relax knowing that your dinner is on the way. But speaking of, did you know that HelloFresh does more than just dinners? I'm talking easy breakfasts to 10-minute lunches like apple ricotta honey toast. Oh my gosh. Also, satisfying snacks. And this is for both kids and adults. HelloFresh literally has tasty choices for every mealtime occasion. And the best part, again, no grocery store trip required. One of my favorite things about HelloFresh, besides how much time it saves me, is how many options there are. HelloFresh has over 45 recipes and more than a hundred seasonal add-ons to choose from every single week. So it's easier than ever to find something that everyone in your house will enjoy. Also, by choosing HelloFresh delivery, I know that I'm reducing my carbon footprint, which makes me very happy. I'm also cutting back on food waste and making sure that food surplus is going to those who need it. Thank you, HelloFresh. We love a company who cares at a date with Dateline. So what are you waiting for? Get with the program and get with America's number one meal kit. Save time and money and have fun cooking at home with HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Dateline free and use code Dateline free for free breakfast for life. That's free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. Free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash Dateline free with code Dateline free. Ho, ho, happy holidays with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Thank you so much, HelloFresh. So they also grabbed Tim's computer, though, from his home. And this is when I know we're going to get the goods because it's yeah. the search bar. Always. There's some interesting stuff Real in there. odd stuff. He had been looking up Ted Johnson. He was going to be disappointed because Ted Johnson is not that man's name. Well, here's the thing. Was he looking up Ted Johnson? Because I don't think he was looking up Ted Johnson based on the information in the internet search history i think he's trying to figure out who is this person that owns this car who this is let me look up their drivers their, their license plate numbers. okay so that's not looking up ted johnson he found ted johnson kind of by looking up but like yeah he's not looking him up he's looking up this is like i say he's on some that's criminal behavior it's criminal behavior you know what i mean like trying to find out who's this by their license plate here's the here's what we're talking about here's what happened middle of the night valentine's day Mm -hmm. is when he's making these weird searches that jake is talking about remember valentine's day night february 14th we see the bike rider zooming down the road we see a prowler or someone walking up the driveway at the hymens at the neighbors and then coming back down We see a bike pedaling its way back down the road at 1 a.m. in the morning. At Mm -hmm. 1.30, he's hopping on his computer and trying to search how to find out a Missouri license plate. Mm -hmm. We know that Ted Johnson, because Dateline tells us, is from Missouri. So he's trying to figure out who the car parked in front of Becky's house belongs to. Yes. So the person who is stopping him from murdering his wife that night. Right. Uh, Do you notice what service he uses? 
Is it Bing? No. Secure Search, Google, Yahoo. Infotracer. What? Infotracer. It says. <gasps> oh, yeah, yeah. You have to pay yeah, for that, right? Yeah, it says Infotracer members area. You can see the calls. And so he's like. Signing up for already, a free trial. I think he's already got a service. Because there's multiple calls to it. It says members area, members area, members area in the search history. So it's refreshing. So he's going to a new page. So I think he's already like entering in. That's my guess. Good job sleuthing. But I was like, that's weird that he's already in the member. You're not in the members area right away. That's true. Why would you be? You'd be in the new members area. Yeah. Or the just the, the, just the generic just the, landing page mm, where okay, you okay. sign up. This is true. Okay. Yeah. So- it all lines up for him to be the person on the bike, the ghost rider, that Tim is in actual fact the ghost rider. And that he was also the person on the bike the other night that we see, which is the 22nd, and he'd come to mm-hmm. murder Becky. So what they're looking for now, they start poking around because they need to find this bike. And where they find the bike is less than a block away from Tim's house, discarded in this underbrush scraggly bushes and trees outside of a garage there's like these it looks like they're abandoned garages yeah it's like somebody else's house too or something like that it's very strange place yeah he just tosses it back there also paint the bike yeah paint it yellow put reflectors on it it's like he did the minimal amount of it's almost an insult how little work he did well, the reflectors are on purpose. It's so no one can see him moving around at night. Put them on it after he's done. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Just in this case bike? they find the bike. Yeah, I bought it for my kid. The reflectors. Yeah, I guess. Wow. Yeah. So as to the motive, the prosecutors believe that this indeed had to do with the mm-hmm. court date coming up in less than a week and that extended members of Becky's family are going to be testifying against his dad in regards to the Mm -hmm. creepy behavior. So I think you're right. Something was going to come out and his whole world is going to come crashing down and his whole family's world is going to be destroyed. Yes, exactly right. I think it's going to be a huge problem for them if that came out. And I think there's something else happening here. Mm -hmm. I think it's not just protecting dad because I think Tim cares more about himself. There's something about Tim here that we don't know about. Yeah, I wondered about that too. I don't know what it is and I don't know if it has to do with anything like what the dad is being accused of, but there's something that's about to come out about him Mm -hmm. that he is not going to like. Yeah, that's that's a good point. He does too much to get rid of his wife, -wife. ex-wife. It's too much. He does. Okay. All of this said, the puzzle, according to Dennis, had finally taken shape. So we've got corners and pretty much maybe we have a few missing pieces at this point. But the picture to the prosecution is Mm -hmm. clear. And so just two and a half weeks after the murder, Tim is arrested. I'm sorry. This all took place in two and a half weeks. Really fast. And then, yeah. I'm always shocked. And then, normally now, in addition to having long Mm -hmm. investigations, we're used to it also taking quite a while for people to go to trial. I'm thinking of the Idaho case specifically. These things take a long time to go to trial Mm -hmm. normally. No, the defense attorney extraordinaire, Casey Schnock, decides that she's going to use a statute in Illinois that is, if you are held without bond, so they don't have a bail hearing Mm -hmm. or a bond hearing, if you're held without bond, the state needs to bring their case within 90 days. What kind of a statute is that? I mean, it's what's the law, the specific right in the Bill of Rights? Oh, you mean the right to a speedy trial. Okay, I would consider a speedy trial six months. 
not three months. 90 days? I feel like this sounds very specific, I've got to say, to something that happened. Mm, maybe. I feel like this something this is something that was put into place for a very specific case. It's possible. I feel like it really puts the, the state on the back foot. Mm. It does. I mean, it seems like Schnock uses it as, you know, it's a bluff. I mean, they say playing chicken with time in the episode. Yeah, he does. Yeah, Dennis so- says that. He's not wrong. Kind of right. Like she's basically daring them to bring a solid winnable case in 90 days. It's pretty clever, honestly. It puts her up against the clock too. And Dennis, I think, refers to it. He says, what's the shot clock? (laughs) I love Dennis. But it is kind of wild because they have 90 days from arrest to opening statements. Mm -hmm. Josh Jones, the prosecutor, tells us that they haven't even gotten all the evidence back yet from testing because that's how long those things take. Sure, yeah. So, but come May 2023, both the defense and the prosecution are ready. They're ready to go. It's go time. The prosecution has to lead the jury through this bike ride evidence, right? Which again, Mm -hmm. you can't see who's on the bike. So they have to paint this picture of the ghost rider, very circumstantial, Tim Mm -hmm. on the bike. But all of the evidence of the times that this happened coinciding with the surveillance video and then the corresponding searches. Mm -hmm and the times that those were done on his electronic devices. They even figured out how Tim had gotten the bike, which was he had a burner Facebook account under John Smith. Yeah. This burner account, he's been doing some shopping on Facebook Marketplace, and he finds this bike without reflectors, this blue bike, mm-hmm. and we get to see side-by-side pictures. They look like identical bikes to me. They're the same bike. That is the same bike. It's the same bike. Yeah, it's the same bike. And we also hear about some other crazy Google searches that were done on Tim's phone. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, how to open my door with a crowbar. Sure. Or how to make a homemade pistol silencer. That was the one. And apparently you use shopping bags. From Aldi. So he really is a bad criminal. He is not very good. Terrible, terrible criminal. This is when we see the West Coast, East Coast shopping bags. Regardless... I'm guessing that also you had to use multiple bags. I don't know what yeah. sort of thing he looked up, what sort of weird silencer. It seems like the dump. It seems like you'd set your bag on fire. Or would you have to put a different bag on to shoot each time? So you have to bring 14 bags? Like, it just seems weird. But also, were you doing that for the shell casings? Why were you doing it? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I think, you know, 14 times, 14 shots is going to be super loud at 2 in the morning. So I get the thinking about that. But yeah, it's weird that he gets seven of the eight of the 14 or whatever, six of the 14 casings, but not all 14. Again, wouldn't you at least angle your head down and see if there are any shell casings at your feet, you know, where you were firing? I think maybe in a hurry to get out. Who knows? Adrenaline. Also, boy, I was just thinking, I really wish that someone had gotten Becky or Becky herself had gotten a dog. Right. Yeah. Anyways, but she's busy. She's a nurse. She doesn't have time. You can I mean, take you know, care of a dog. We get a lot of walking the 12 dog. Twelve-hour yeah. shifts a day. Exactly. Casey Schnock, the defense attorney slash divorce attorney, is going to give this her best shot, and she's very animated. Mm-hmm. She's also telling Dennis, "No, you have someone going to the house to kill Becky, but you don't have Tim mm. going there." Prosecution doesn't have Tim doing that. She also says that the bike videos were absolutely infuriating. Mm. 
you don't know where that person's going. You don't know if that's the same person on each of those nights. And we don't know anything about this individual. And Dennis says, well, it shows a bike ride late at night to a gruesome murder. And she says, well, it tells the story of someone riding a bicycle at night. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. She's not wrong. No, but this is like a this is one of those where there's like a pile of circumstantial evidence that all sort of correct paints a picture. Even though there's nothing hard physical per se, but then there is because the casings match. So you have no exactly. weapon, but you do have physical evidence. And I swear to gosh, if they threw a little tape measure on that boot, I bet you they'd get some more info out of it. I would really like to return to the boot and find out whose boot that was. I think it just didn't make the edit. I'm pretty sure they measured it. Got a match. Do you want to call Dennis? Yeah, I will. Okay, thank you. Let's find out. So Dennis also asked Casey at this point, well, what do you call that kind of evidence when you're up against it? Dennis knows what that evidence is called. He does. He's a smart man who's been around. But he's a great interviewer. Right. We know he's a smart man because Sentinel? Yeah. Phalanx. Phalanx. She says, you call that circumstantial at best. Uh Uh-huh. She's very self-assured. What Casey really attacks is the defense's motive because she says things just simply weren't that bad for Tim. They weren't that bad for either of them at this point. They were looking forward to moving on with their lives and things don't get better for him with her being dead. No, that's true. Which is a really strong thing if you can sell that. But then that makes me think that the motive that we talked about, the, the consequences would have been so calamitous that he knows that still makes that choice. And you know what? I have a feeling that that did not come up in court. Sure, right. The specifics of that motive, because I would have guessed that Casey would fight tooth and nail to keep that information out. Because if you open that door, then all of the sexual Mm -hmm. harassment stuff comes in and then you're screwed. I don't want to touch any of that narrative. Right. Then you're fighting that narrative too in court and the whole family's on trial, Mm -hmm. not just Tim. So I would guarantee you Tim wouldn't let it in. Was like, we're not talking about that. Yeah. So even though the motivation may not have sold as hard for the prosecution, Mm -hmm. they didn't. I mean, if they weren't able to talk about that other element, yeah. that if the jury didn't hear about that, I don't know what they said the motive was, but we have this bullet yeah. matching that you discussed that really, that is the smoking gun, pardon the pun. But it is. That's it. That's the the puzzle piece that you push in at the end and you feel great about yourself. The shell casings matching proves that the gun that was used to mm-hmm. murder Becky is the same gun that apparently Tim had in his possession at one point because those shell casings are at his house. The problem is that the prosecution never tells us exactly what kind of gun that is. Right. I was confused. The jury never heard that. And they never found a gun in Tim's mm-hmm. possession. So remember, they're doing all of this with a Ghost Rider videotape. No gun. Mm-hmm. Not a really good motivation. I would be nervous if I was... Yeah, I didn't know. I was I was worried. Were you yeah, worried? Yeah. I was worried. Doesn't matter. Circumstantial or not, the jury goes out and comes back four hours later and finds him guilty of first-degree murder. Mm-hmm. Was it the beard? I'm sure it couldn't have helped. It definitely hurt him. He's sentenced to life in prison. Uh-huh. He tells Dateline in a statement that he's innocent and that he's appealing his conviction. But... Sadly, Sarah, Becky's sister, is one of the last to talk to us, and she says that his conviction really isn't even that much of a relief. There's a hole that will always be there, which I can only imagine. But Sarah has a really powerful message at the end of this and says, look, we always think that domestic violence happens to someone else Mm -hmm. or it happens to, you know, women who date the bad boys, which that's interesting. So women who are living a higher risk lifestyle, Mm -hmm. right? 
things like that. She's not wrong in that that is a, a misconception yeah. that you would think that only happens to certain people. But she said that's the kind of thinking that is dangerous. Yeah. I fully agree with her. She's totally right. And I love that both her and the prosecutors come on at the end and agree that Becky was failed by the system in this case. Yeah. They could not see the signs of physical abuse and her restraining order was not granted. Perhaps she just wasn't taken seriously, which is right. bad. Laura Keck says that people sort of assume, especially in cases of divorce, yeah, that we are not primed to believe and that people are just lashing out. People are just, you know, they're lashing out at each other and hitting with everything they've got. Right. It's like another legal lever that they can pull that like, oh, if I say this, this will put the squeeze on you and you'll take your percentage of alimony down or something. You know what I mean? Stuff like that where it's like people don't – I don't know if I believe that. Right. You know? Like that's where I feel like I, – I feel like people make those claims. They're usually based in reality. I would love to know from an attorney how often, like a, specifically a divorce attorney, how, how often those claims are made when they're, they're falsified. An excellent point. And we have seen it happen. We've seen people claim that uh, someone is abusing a child. We, we have seen it happen in Dateline. Sure. And it is horrendous. But what's the percentage time that it actually is happening? I would say it's probably a lot yeah. higher than the times that it's a lie. Yes, so given the sort of, yeah, she says we need to start believing people and push them towards the necessary resources to get help mm -hmm. and assistance. And I totally appreciate that. And I appreciate that she's using her voice for that. And the saddest part in all of this is that there are three young boys right now who are left without a wonderful mm -hmm. mother by every account that we hear of Becky. They have essentially lost both parents. And right. What's wrong with Tim? I can say I don't think he again, no forethought. No care for these boys. Long-term thinking, long-term planning is just not there for him. None. Not any. It's so yeah. messed up. Um, we find out they're living with family, which is great. But it's not their mom. Right. It'd be great if their dad had pulled it together. Yeah. Ben Sarah ends the episode saying that she really hopes that people will remember Becky not for how she died, but how mm -hmm. she lived. And I have to say, Sarah... I think the Dateline really showed us who Becky mm -hmm. was in this and really did a good job. So good job, yeah. Dateline. Good job, Dennis. Good job, Jake. <laughs> Do you have B-roll Bonanza? I, oh, the only B-roll I have was just, we talked about it already, is the, like, the city footage that makes that place look beautiful. It does. We are getting bike close up, though. We are getting the clickety-clack of the gears. The one thing I did love about Dennis Murphy talking about and on their B-roll is there's a lot of gear shifting and there's talk about gear shifting. It says something like the grinding of gears. Oh, yeah, the grinding the, of gears, the yeah, clickety-clack. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what's this guy shifting around so much for? Illinois is very flat. That you saw that overhead shot, right? Do you shift when you go into up like in terrain? Is that when you're shifting? You would shift if you're going up or down a hill or an incline, which there are not very many of in in that part of the country. I'm sure there are still some naturally, of course, but it's flatter than you think, is what I'm trying to say. I am showing my lack of bike knowledge because I didn't yeah. know that. I thought it was more like a car where you shift if you're going faster or slower. No. So yeah, you downshift if you're going up a hill so that you can it's like not as hard to pedal. You kinda wanna find a middle balance. Keep the tension then, or whatever. Yeah. Okay. And that yeah, basically. But you don't want to overdo it and then you can like you can downshift if you're going fast, you can downshift if you're going slow. It depends on how you like to pedal. Oh, and, I like this. But By it's the way, 
essentially it's for going up and down hills. Bombus also has socks for cycling. Casey. Anyways, anybody <laughs> out there who's an enthusiast. Yeah. We have Sister Sarah on a park bench looking out at the water, which is a standard mm-hmm. in Dateline mm-hmm. for sure. The divorce slash defense attorney walking determinately through her office mm. and then later determinately through the courthouse. Yeah. <laughs> She's a very intense walker. And then we have all the shell casings lined up. They show that B-roll a few times, that picture. Yeah. And they, well, they also keep showing the box too, which threw me off because it says Winchester. Yes. And I'm like... It does. So are they assuming that this is a Winchester? Is it just they don't know what kind? Because, well, I mean, Winchesters are sort of known for their rifles, right? So right. all I can imagine is this doofus wrapping up a shoulder gun with an Aldi bag, sh- shooting, taking off the Aldi bag, wrapping up a new one. It's just like, what happened? They said it's a pistol. So there must they be They did like a- say it was a pistol though. So, yeah. But I can only picture a rifle as well. Yeah. Brands unhappy being on Dateline. Aldi obviously. Aldi. Yeah. 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 And obviously, I think Aldi. also Infotracer probably wishes that they didn't get aired out like that. Even though they don't draw any attention to it, I could saw it with my own eyes. He saw it. We all saw it. I was like, "Oh, look at that. Look, I wonder which sketchy service you sign up for to find out Somebody's name was just a license plate. There you go. CrossFit. It's not a brand necessarily. It's a lifestyle. Is that what you mean? <laughs> is that what you had to say? That is not what I meant. I just mean it's a it's a discipline. That I is think, totally what you in, meant. Like exercise. It's an exercise discipline. Well, so you're fit across all disciplines. Is that seriously what it stands for? Yes. How do you know that? I don't know how you don't know that. Well, I haven't looked into it. Well, CrossFit, you do some running, you do some biking, probably do some weight training. I don't know about that. I would imagine. I'm sure there are CrossFit listeners who are like, this guy is the dumbest. That was a pretty specific explanation that it was a, a fit across all disciplines. Okay. Let's go. What about fashion police? Obviously the bow tie. Yeah, the bow tie for for sure. Pull over, go turn around, take that um, off, and also maybe rethink the one anecdote when you get the mic. No. He can't. That no. was his best bit. He tells that story all the time about how he said that and that broke up his marriage. That's like his divorce story and Yuck. it's terrible and everyone hates it. Yeah. So we need to talk about Josh Jones. Okay. So Josh Jones, in not in his interview, but in his B-roll. Also, we do get a lot of B-roll sort of of the prosecutors walking through their office. And yeah. Josh Jones appears to be 6'5". Yeah, right. He's a giant man in doorways. But his counterpart's also like 5'1 or something She's like a that. wee lady. Yes. Yeah. Josh Jones is wearing a black three-piece suit. Mm-hmm. And I would like to start a segment called secret goth question mark mm. i think yes gotcha yeah maybe also could he look more like billy corgan you think you don't think he looked more like one of the cops on the wire dang it i wish i had his name he has that just the cop shape head it's the haircut i'm gonna stand by the billy corgan comment um that's the lead okay. singer of smashing pumpkins Gilly- billy corgan is also six foot a million or whatever he's super yeah. tall I thought it might be Billy. I think Billy Corgan might be moonlighting. <laughs> also, Josh Jones, that could be a fake name. So yeah, I'm going to write that be. down. Fake name? Question mark. I noticed right away that Taylor Hyman, the female Taylor in their relationship, mm-hmm. has giant blue eyes. Yes. Amazing blue eyes. 
Then I began to notice everybody has blue eyes. Every single person has blue eyes in the episode. I know. Except yeah. I don't know. I didn't notice Tim. who didn't. Tim. Okay. Tim has hazel eyes, but this is a blue-eyed filled episode it for is. Dennis, who has the sparkliest blue eyes. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on in Illinois, but that was yeah, I've neither. never seen that before in a dateline. I think that was totally coincidental too, because I don't think you're not like, I'm surrounded by blue eyes. Never. It's not really like that. So it was just, just a big coincidence in this totally episode. Totally coincidental. Which leads me to my alternative title, which was the blue eye of the needle. Oh, I like it. Thank you. Did you have any alternative titles? Don't let me down. If you don't do something with puzzle, I'm going to be hurt. Oh, I don't have a puzzle one. Don't buy that blue bike, bonehead. No, come on. (laughs) Blue eyes, blue bikes. Yeah. Puzzle. What's words that go with puzzle? Come on. We can do this. Puzzle piece. A puzzle. Puzzled by the motive. A puzzling motive. (laughs) A puzzling motive. There you go. Yeah. Okay, that's good. A Wonderful. puzzling motive. Because seriously, why, yeah. man? No, it's it's not clear. Not clear. And we'll... And it also now it just makes it look worse. Whatever they're trying to hide. A million percent. And everyone now, because Dateline talked about it, is trying to Bing and Google right. what this dad has done. Mm-hmm. And like, so what... Yeah, it, the backfiring on this is massive. Yeah. Something is bad. I don't know what his appeal will do, but I don't know. I don't yeah. think he'll go anywhere. I mean, it seems like he might have something with the expediency of the case and the how deep the circumstantial evidence versus the physical evidence. That's where we're going to come into trouble. We're going to come into trouble with the circumstantial. And also, I think that don't underestimate Casey Schnock. Uh-huh. We'll see. Anyways, yeah. but I do know that we've had a phalanx of of fun. <laughs> a fela- a fa- phalanx, phalanx of fun. Of fun. <laughs> a phalanx of fun Arms. talking about this case, even though yeah. our hearts go out to Becky's entire friends and family Absolutely. circle because Becky seems like she was just a delight. Yeah. This one wasn't fair. And I'm really sorry that she ever met Absolutely. Tim. Blah. Thank you so much, Jake. And everybody, you can find us, Date with Dateline, on um, Twitter, formerly known as Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> Threads, I guess, TikTok, and we are Date Dateline. Uh, you can also check out our other podcast, A Date with the Bake, which is wrapping up. It's been a wild season. It's finals week, last week. Hearts have been broken. Definitely bent and twisted and told. Maybe torn, not torn. Dreams have been dashed. The puzzle that is Great British Baking Show, mm. not only was the box top lost, but someone ate nine of the pieces mm. so that it will never be complete. Are you saying seven, eight, nine? Oh, boy. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, boy. It was almost oh, there. It was dangerously close. Thank you, Jake. All right, everybody. Take care this week and be your own be your own blue-eyed Becky. Bye. Bye. Not a plastic bag that's flimsy. So not a plastic bag that you get at the Dollar Tree. More like a plastic bag that you have to buy when you have to buy a bag. 
Does that make sense? Well, that's the whole thing. Yeah, like that's all that they have in in L.A. now. Correct. So uh, an L.A. bag, not a Tennessee bag. (laughs) Gotcha. That's what I was wondering if they had moved to the like, you know, you can make your house out of these plastic bags if you really wanted to. Like they're that sturdy. No, they have the worst flimsy bags that if you want to use them to collect cat litter, don't because they all have holes in them. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying is I miss them specifically for that exact reason. I feel like I'm putting my cat litter in a sarcophagus for future future generations generations. when I use like these heavy bags. They're really intense. No, there's no decomposition happening whatsoever. Not likely. I bought biodegradable bags for the cat litter at this point because of this very reason. That's That's good. Good for you. But yeah, we don't have Ralph's here. We have Kroger with the bags with the holes. The bags, the holes. Well, I'm sorry. I think Ralph's and Kroger are technically the same. They are Kroger branded stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're just like they kept the name Ralph's because it's old and people are familiar with it. But it's also a better name for a market. Yeah. Well, I like to say I got this from Ralph. (laughs) (laughs) I got this at Ralph's place. I got this from (laughs) Vaughn. Yeah. It's good. I like that a lot. 